Welcome to the Road to Black Podcasts, brought to you by the BJJ Physio. The BJJ Physio helps optimize the training of jiu-jitsu athletes so they can dominate their next performance. How do they do this? They provide strength and conditioning, physical therapy, and heart rate-based conditioning through a completely remote and online management system. Meaning you can be anywhere in the world and take your BJJ performance to the next level. Contact Dr. Wesley Reed at info at thebjjphysio.online or follow him at the BJJ Physio on Instagram to find out more. Also brought to you by Roll Union Jiu-Jitsu. Visit rollunion.com and follow Roll Union on Instagram to shop the latest jiu-jitsu styles. Roll Union brings you the best fitting gis on the market, the most comfortable rash guards, and premium soft jiu-jitsu tees. Next time you're in the market for some new gear, check out RollUnion.com for the stylish and the savage. Lastly, we're brought to you by DownToRoll.com. DownToRoll.com was born out of the need for an innovative way to find BJJ training partners during the COVID-19 crisis. With gyms being shut down for many across the globe, you can register at DownToRoll.com and find small group training partners in your area. You can message partners directly from the map and interact with other like-minded players on the Down to Roll exclusive network. Go to downtoroll.com and start training again now. Thanks for supporting our sponsors, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the Road to Black podcast. What's up? What is up, my brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. No, uh, no problems. Um, training, I had a little bit of a, I got, I got my first post, I'm going to call it post COVID. I had my first post COVID cold recently. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I got, uh, I think it happened like maybe Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday. I got a little bit of a scratchy throat Mm -hmm. and, um, I was like, oh man, this is not good. Like this feels, this feels kind of like a cold. And then, um, the next day, so I think it was Thursday, the next day, um, my nose opened up and it was just like a faucet. Really? And so that night I went to bed with a roll of toilet paper right on my, on my, uh, nightstand. Mm-hmm. The next day it, that had stopped and then the, my sore throat went away and I was fine. It was wow. like a three or, three or four day kind of from start to finish. Yeah. All good. That's good. But Nothing I was, major. I was making jokes. I was like, man, my, my I think what I used was my bitch ass immune system hasn't been exposed <laughs> to anything over the past, uh, over the past basically year and a half. And yeah. so now people are going back and that's true. You know, yep. things mm-hmm. are, things are, uh, people are going back out, no masks, you know, people are coughing and sneezing and opening doors and yeah, you you're going to get some of that, you know, you're going to sure. get some of that. So I was, uh, which it's good. I want my immune system to be exposed to that stuff, but, uh, mm-hmm. it was my first, first cold, first come first go of it. That, knock on wood. I haven't had any. I don't know. I haven't had anything. I think wearing the mask for the big part of that year was helpful in that regard. You know, like flus were non-existent. Like people didn't have a cold, you know, something to be said about that. 
disinfect, yeah, for sure. disinfecting every, you know, people staying away, but now, you know, it's opening back up, but well, I was, I'm still just trying to like take my vitamins and yeah. keep up everything because, you know, you let your guard down or you, you wreck your body sometimes with food or alcohol or something. And it's like your immune system takes a hit. And next thing you know, you know, yeah, my, or, my wife was asking me, she was like, you know, she asked me, which isn't a huge deal. She's like, you want, you know, you want to go out to dinner, grab something, grab some food or something. I was like, ah, you know, I don't really want to go out. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sick. I've got a cold. I don't, yeah. I don't really want to go out, you know? And if I yeah. do, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to just, I'll take a mask if we go out or something and I'll just mm-hmm. wear a mask. No big deal. And try not to try not to expose anybody else to it. But we, I didn't end up going out. Once everything kind of looked like it was resolving, it was back to normal. But try yeah. called everybody. I was like, "Hey guys, can't train. Got a cold. Yeah. Don't want to expose you guys." So yeah, that's smart. That's what we should all be doing. Just being careful about that stuff. So I think we've said it before. You know, if there's one thing that came out of that, it was hopefully people are uh, hopefully people aren't showing up to the gym with sick and with mm-hmm. runny nose, cough. Yeah, type stuff. So, I think I think that was good to be a little bit more aware of because that ha- we've talked about it before on the podcast. It happens. People show up with people show up with uh, with colds. So, anyway, to gee or not to gee? That, that is the is question. The question. <laughs> <laughs> Man, a little bit of just- both. We're just, yeah, exactly. We're just talking about uh, training gi and no gi, you know? It's like a huge uh, point of discussion that we haven't really talked about here on the podcast. But, um, you know, you have the two camps. You have the everything from the, the amateur, you know, the, the 10th Planet schools where it's strictly no gi jiu-jitsu, ver, you know, to all the way up to... You know, you got you got your basic schools that some are most you know all all gi, some are no all no gi, and you kind of pick your path and pick what style you like when you first enter into jujitsu, and it could just be your experience. You know, I mean, you and that goes all the way up to to the pro levels. You know, obviously, most pro events are no gi now. You know, I think it's just a faster pace, more exciting, I and mean, that's obviously what we're seeing. You know, fast pace, more exciting. Uh, submission only grappling uh that i think is it lends well to viewership you know um go uh who i don't who was it that was it gordon that said gi jiu-jitsu is dead on the jre podcast you know i think we talked about that before but i think in his in his world it, it makes sense to say that you know because in professional grappling you don't see you don't see a ton of as much gi, let's say, in the bigger events, right? I mean, like we talked about the BJJ Bet, BJJ Stars, mm-hmm. uh, Brazilian organizations—they're all going to be traditionally more gi, right? Yeah, gi pro gi events. But the over in America, you know, you're getting these no gi events that are—they're much bigger. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that that lends itself to um, the fans or, or more fandom. You know, it's like, are people going to start training more no-gi jiu-jitsu right off the bat because they see Gordon Ryan 
you know, the greatest air quotes, the greatest grappler ever, you know, um, definitely in Nogi, he's just so accomplished. You know, you're watching this guy. Does that make you go and want to start training Nogi jujitsu immediately? You know, mm-hmm. are you going out and searching a, a Nogi gym? It's interesting because I've already, yeah. we've already been in the game for so long, you know, um, but those are the things I was thinking about. It's like, is, is no, are Nogi classes and schools going to keep advancing? I think they are, you know, mm-hmm. um, it definitely, since I've trained, trained at our gym, it's a, a, like a, yeah. like a one eighty, you know, yeah. where there was, I don't even know if we had Nogi when I started at our gym. Yeah. Do you recall? I don't, I, I, I don't think it so. Was, like several years to, back. Yeah. yeah. It, it um, didn't now it's huge. Yeah. Like it's a very popular class in our gym. Um, it's every day, some days, multiple times a day. And um, they have an early bird. Yeah. They do it in the mornings on one day a week. Um, that's where I try to get some, some nogi training in, you know, it's like, I've always obviously mostly trained in the gi, but training nogi, I, I really like it, man. It's fun. It's completely different. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've only been doing it, trying to get in once a week for that. But I, I feel like it's one of those things. And this is kind of what we were talking about or what we will talk about is what are the differences? And, you know, if you haven't done one versus the other, you you might be in the dark, right? What is mm-hmm. Nogi? Is it completely different? Yeah, it's a lot different. You know, you don't have the, you don't have like, first of all, I think you don't have the grips. That's a big, you have different grips, let's say, you know? So you don't have that friction of the gi. So the game moves a lot faster. Yeah, 100%, you know. Yeah. It's more it's moving more fast. It's faster, it's slipperier. It's less technical. Not to say it's not technical, but it's less technical, you yeah. know. That's that's a no-brainer. When you have the gi, it just there's just so much more you have to think about and worry about in terms of technique. You know, mm-hmm. because someone can just lock you down in, in a position where no gi, it wouldn't be an issue, you know, um, name the, you know, name it, whatever yeah. it is, you know, it's, it's, you know, just think of the, think of in, when you're in closed guard, just as a basic position, you know, you close guard, no gi, that you can probably think of your options, right? Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, more arm bars, triangle movement, sweep. Mm-hmm. Now think of it in the gi, you know, it's, it's all that, but now you have all the lapel chokes, all the, the breaking of the posture with the, the collar grips, yeah. you know, it's like completely different. And, and so you have th- different things to work on, but I think they, I don't even think it's definitely for the amateur a hundred percent. It's um, for the amateur, it, it, they complement each other pretty well, you know? I really like them. You know, I do obviously give way more, but um, it gives you a different look and aspect of the game. And it probably makes you focus on certain things more, you know, where yeah. like in Nogi, you might be doing more wrestling type takedowns versus mm-hmm. in the Gi, you're going to be doing more guard pulls and judo stuff. Yeah. Maybe, you know, not more, but that's more available. So yeah. what's My- your, what's your feeling on it? I mean, it's all of it. My, yeah. I mean, I, I primarily play gi. It's just, I started in t- like 2008 or 2009 at a school that didn't have any no gi. Went to another school, 
didn't have no gi. And it kind of started coming up. Admittedly, my no gi game is miles behind my gi game. <laughs> yeah. You know? Mine too. Um, so, and I, you know, I, I probably enjoy the gi a little bit more. Like, it's just, it's probably because it's what you know, my, it's what you yeah, it's what I know. Yeah. It's, it's what I, the way that I came up, mm-hmm. you know, but these people that are, you know, these new white belts, blue belts, purple belts that are coming into, uh, that are coming into jujitsu now, or maybe probably not so much purple belts, but cause they've probably been in it for a while, but, um, they're coming into these gyms that they have access to gi and no gi classes. And yeah. most of these, most of these guys and gals are probably doing both. Mm-hmm. You know, they're probably doing gi and no gi. Yeah. And so I think that's you know, what I kind of see in other gyms, like on social media and stuff for younger people. I'm seeing, cause they, like you said, it's, they have the, that choice. Yeah. So why not dabble in both or try, you know, see which one fits you know, so if you're new, you want to go and check it out, try both, you know, it's going to be, you're going to have to give them both the honest shot. Yeah. That's another thing. It's like, it, you'd probably agree. It's, I think the biggest thing is like, they are almost separate arts in a way, you know, um, can you do both effectively or is it better to stick with one or the other to better your skills, you know? So that's, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think yeah. it depends on how much you're training. And, you know, obviously I, I'll say this, like, like you said, I'm, I'm a much lower belt in no gi than gi. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean I can't roll and train in gi or no gi and do fine. But yeah, if I have someone in, especially in our school, the guys that train specifically no gi, and there's several of them, like, I don't have, I don't have much of a chance when I'm rolling with them Yeah, because they just start getting to the leg game, which I'm so new at in no gi, mm-hmm. you know, I have leg skills in the gi, you know, straight ankle lock, you know, knee bar, that type of stuff. But when you start getting into like the whole heel hook game, I'm just like, I'm a novice, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm learning from my coach, Josh, uh, once a week, no gi trying to just pick up the basics, pick up the positioning, get, get to know the escapes. And he recognizes as a coach that our crew in the morning is probably less skilled, definitely less skilled than just the Nogi class at night, because that's where all the killers go that do leg work mm-hmm. all the time. So we're always working leg stuff now in, in the morning class. Um, it might be once a week, but at least it's, it's something you can drill through and get used to and figure out that aspect of the game so it's fun it's a little scary sometimes and because even like training these last couple of weeks in nogi just setting up the heel hooks and stuff for me like i even the slightest twinge i can feel like a little bit in my knee still mm-hmm. you know this yeah. is a year later after my injury because i'm just not put in that position as much you know so I have to be careful and everyone has to be careful. Yeah. Those guys are going to be vicious. <laughs> exactly. So, um, they, IBJJF is allowing that now in the adult divisions and Brown and Brown and black belt, I think. Yeah. So 
I had thought it was all divisions. And one of my friends said, no, they don't do that in masters. So I guess masters. So I don't have to worry about it if I was to compete in that organization. But I personally, my, my, the way I approach training jujitsu and learning the art is that I just want to be well-rounded all the way around as a black belt, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe that takes many, many years and it will take many, many years, but, um, you know, I don't want to be so far behind the game where, cause the professional game is moving so quickly. Imagine, just think of the leg lock game and what that's done to change jujitsu. Yeah. It just opens up a whole nother side. Why ignore 50% of your body? You know, right. it's like the Dean Lester quote, but yeah, that is what it is. It, it just changes the whole game. So you have to, if you're training no gi, you have to know that part of the game. You can't just go in. Tra- now I can do decent with my traditional, but once someone that's a skilled leg locker starts really getting underneath and getting to where I don't know all of the different entries, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Because once you're in those positions, it's, you know, it's a very fast, you quick. Get, you're, yeah. It gets twisted up pretty. pretty yeah. Easy. You got to get out or tap, you know? So. It's a challenge, though. I like that challenge. It's yeah. So as a, as a somebody that's been in the game a long time, if you're listening, you know, it, it, it's a good challenge to take on. You know, is to try to learn a different aspect of the game. You know, we were talking. We when we had Patrick on the show, he was talking about coming up in Brazil. They didn't. I mean, he's a black belt. They didn't really attack the feet a lot, and he came, traveled, got to the U.S. <clears throat> excuse me, and. um and in Nogi, it was here, it was no problem to attack the feet. Not disrespectful, not not mean. Yeah. It's just a part of mm-hmm. what, you know, how the game here is, uh, has progressed. And I think it's everywhere now, yeah. obviously. Um, so you kind of see that. You saw progress, the circle. Progression. Yeah, it, yeah. Com- it comes all the way around. Mm-hmm. And so, he, you know, for him, he's talking about, I have to learn. I ha- I'm doing no gi, so yeah, I have to learn this new yeah system. I have to learn this heel hooks and all that stuff. And man, I don't want to say that I'm afraid of heel hooks, but they're I respect them greatly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially, you know, I um they come on really fast, and you don't feel them until something is yeah gone incredibly awry. Yeah, inside yeah. your knee, and um, you know, I I picked up a, I picked up an athlete uh, last week who was training with a new grappler. It was no gi. They were going like thirty, forty percent transition to fifty fifty, and as he was transitioning the fifty fifty, this new grappler, like white belt status grappler, grabbed a heel hook and like ripped it, and. Wow. Tore his, I mean, he tore his knee apart. He tore his, tore all the inside stuff, which is the bad stuff that you don't want to rip. So, um, you know, I wow. hear, like it, yeah, man. That's disappointing. It's super disappointing. That, that, that shouldn't have happened at all. Honestly, I mean, yeah. I guess it does happen, but well, for a white belt, I mean, we have, at our school, G was very adamant for, for, and hesitant to, to start into this game with definitely with white belts attacking heel hooks. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how our coaches manage it because I'm not in those classes, but I, 
I think they really have, they probably talk to people and they have to know that they can trust the person. If it's a white belt that's been training a while that you're going to catch and release, you know? Yeah. Um, you just, I'm, I'm a brown belt. I'm skilled in jujitsu, you know? And even when I get the heel hook on someone, I'm like very careful Mm -hmm. and very aware that just one little tweak with my 205 pound body, you know, I can wreck somebody's say back six months. Yeah. So yeah, shoot or more or more. (laughs) Um, so, uh, you know, and I've had that knee injury that was from something, to that effect and that does it's not fun you know it's it's not fun that's not a fun injury just knees in general you know um so it's that's why it's been somewhat outlawed in certain organizations because it's a dangerous Mm -hmm. position and some people say it's no more dangerous than something else but it's it's dangerous because the skill level isn't taught exactly at the basic level you know Arm bars are dangerous too, but we're learning arm bar defenses and escapes and how to not to get at them from day one, you know? Yeah. Um, so now, and if, and that's the point, if you're learning jujitsu, nogi jujitsu from day one, and they're teaching you leg entry systems, heel hooks, that you're probably going to be more skilled at not even getting into those positions or at least escaping them. Right. Then someone like myself, who I didn't even start training nogi until I was a purple belt, you know? Mm-hmm. So for real i mean for any consistency so yeah man it's i i think a great example of that is the ryan hall bj penn fight yeah um perfect so example it's an you know, expert versus is, a novice in, in yeah, the leg game in the mm-hmm. leg game and if you like if you go back and watch that fight so ryan hall iminari's he does an iminari entry goes into his heel hook entry and he grabs the heel hook. And if you watch the way that BJ Penn rolls and defends, he rolled the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So if you watch him, he rolls over the top, but it made the heel hook tighter. So when you defend the heel hook, you have to roll with the direction that they're, that they're pulling towards. Right. And so it's kind of, it feels different at first, like the, the way that to defend it, but if you watch what BJ Penn does, he rolls against it. And if you think about like the mechanics of the knee, he rolled like he basically rolled into the heel hook to make it tighter and it ended up it was it was someone I know might have done the same thing to my knee. I might I mean I might have done that same thing to my yeah. knee in the past, you know. Not no I did do that a couple times. Yeah. One led to an injury. I mean, that's kind of how I got injured, is just not understanding the position, you know. One of the first times one of my coaches threw on a heel hook I, when I was training, I felt like, because I, I didn't even know to like clear the knee line. I was just very much a novice in that position, you know? So I was like, I, I, I came up on, you know, it was kind of, we were in a seated position. And luckily this, he's, he's really good at heel hooks and stuff. So, and he knew I wasn't, so he, he wasn't, he just threw it on. He wasn't cranking. He just kind of like held it there. And I... I almost felt like I was in like a straight ankle lock position where if I come up on my foot or come up and pull him in, close the distance, Mm -hmm. that's what I should be doing. That's not what you should be doing. As soon as I did that, my knee popped. Yeah. This isn't my injury, but this is one of the first times I trained and it was loud. Thankfully, it was just whatever that is that pops. 
it, it, it was very loud, but at least it was just like one week of soreness and that was it. Mm-hmm. But that was a lesson to me. I was like, oh, I have no idea. Like I shouldn't be closing the distance there. I need to be turning in the correct direction and escaping the knee line, you know, mm-hmm. getting my knee out of there. So that opened my eyes tremendously a few years ago when I started training Nogi and I'm like, I got to learn this. You know, I don't, I don't want to be a black belt and not know this part of the game. That doesn't make sense yeah. to me. You know, at least understand the basics and I might not be an expert or be training all the time, but I need to, I need to at least be able to get out of a certain position or prevent getting there, you know? Um, but it's also a great challenge and it's fun, you know, that part of it. And that's not all of no gi. We're just talking specifically the leg game, yeah. but a lot of roles I get into, you know, especially if you're neither one of you are leg lockers, it becomes jujitsu without the gi. Faster exactly. pace, you know, um, probably more escapes. You got to have different types of control. Um, it's fun, and it, but it's talk about cardio, man. You can't slow mm-hmm. the game down in that as much in, in no gi, you know. So yeah. Yeah, man, the first time I competed, uh, I was really worried about this. So I've told this story around here fairly recently, but uh, I did the, I think it was the Masters Cup, and I got promoted to brown belt the week before that tournament. And so I was like, I was all comfortable. I was going to compete at purple belt. I was like, this, no big deal. Yeah. Got brown belt, put in my change form all of that josh we've mentioned him on the josh rodriguez great awesome coach um also very skilled in the leg game and he came up to me at the tournament he was coaching me and he just came up to me and he said uh don't worry about the leg locks you know how to defend foot locks don't worry about the knee bars and stuff just make sure his hips are below your knee and you're safe Mm-hmm. And it was like the best piece of advice I could have got at the time because yeah. it was super simple and it was like very um, actionable. Yeah. If that's is. right. That's it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. okay, perfect. It it took all of the nervousness out. It was like I had an instant defense. Okay. Just keep his knee below my, keep his hips below my knee. Done. Yeah. I can do that. And now that's like, not only a piece of advice that I give people, but I'm constantly thinking about like when I'm getting in positions for things, like if I'm, if I like Barambolo or I'm, you know, get like do some sort, whatever I'm doing, I'm always thinking about like where his hips are in relationship to my knee. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's, uh, I've had a training partner, he'll try and like, if I'm, if I'm like, if I invert, he'll like try and pull my knee through and I'm just like, nope, you're no way, not right. not allowing that. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna guard it, yeah, and make sure you know. So it was like the best piece of advice, and it's that is like something that I have put into place throughout my throughout my whole for the last three years that I've yeah. been defending knee bars. It's like okay, cool, I'm fine. My hips are below my knees. Yeah. Perfect. It's good so advice. It was, it was great advice and it really helped me at the moment when nerves are, I'm a new brown belt, nerves mm-hmm. are like getting the best of me. The guy I'm going against is clearly, I mean, if he's got more than one week as a brown belt, he's more seasoned than me in that yeah. skill level, you know? So, uh, that was, that was perfect. 
Nice. I could not have uh, asked for any better advice at that at that moment. So it's it's a different game when you start, you know. So you got to work on that if you're a purple belt. You got to start thinking about if you're in the gi, you start thinking about toe holds and knee bars and um, start working them. You know, if your gym allows it, I don't. You know, there's there's gyms out there where they don't really have a restriction on colored mm-hmm. belts as long as you're skilled. You know, you can do the move. And in our gym, we try to just because you know you have a lot of students. It's hard to gauge everyone in the room and what their skill level is on every single different position. Right. So there's some blanket rules where, you know, if you're a higher belt, you can do those types of moves, lower belt. Now, you know, it's IBJJF rules kind of in our gym mm-hmm. per se, you know, um, guidelines, I should say. Um, it doesn't mean, I, I don't think when you're a purple belt, you're seasoned purple belt that you should not be doing or getting into yeah. those positions because it's not like magic. You're, oh, I'm a brown belt now. I'm going to start working. It's like you got to at least start thinking about that stuff. And um, there's a lot, you know? Um, so even, well, even th- it's just so much to, it's just another few moves that maybe you're more allowed to do in competition that you have to work on, you know? Because you're, yeah. somebody else is going to be working those on you. Yeah. I'm not saying for people to break the rules. But if you're a three or four stripe purple belt and you're trying to do that and you're going, you have a brown belt training partner. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not advocating for anybody to go against their gym rules, but at the same time, if you have two people that are in agreement, Hey, we're going to open up, we're going to open up legs, Mm -hmm. you know, make it pretty clear. Knee bars, toe holds are all on board. Then that's, that's the rule set you can roll roll in between two people. Like if you and I yeah. different belt colors, purple belt, brown belt, and I'm coming to you, hey, I really want to start looking at this game. Mm-hmm. Can we open up the legs and, and explore a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Then it it changes things because you have two two partners, both on the same page with the same rule set. And it's more of like uh close and skill level. Close so. and school level or skill level and um Clearly, like when you have that conversation, there's a clear trust that's involved. Like, yeah, don't rip my don't rip my damn feet off, but yeah, you know, feel free to attack. Just allow me some time to defend. You know, mm-hmm. so well, that's that's the unfortunate thing about that story with the white belt. You said, you know, it's like I know because even at our gym, I know Josh in particular. Guys, I've heard him say before. It's like if you're a if you're an upper belt, go ahead and. Att- make your attacks even on lower belts you know because you should know what to what how to how to put on the 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 submission you know yeah you know i mean if you're if you're a brown belt and you you're working toe holes and and knee bars and stuff and you're no gi or whatever and yeah you can do that against the blue belt they they and so in in my what i'm saying is like there's been times where i've heard coach say you know, if you're an upper belt, you can do that to a blue belt. But the blue belt can't do that to you. And maybe that seems unfair, but the point is, is that you are skilled. One person is skilled, mm-hmm. knows when to release or how to do this specific hold, and the other isn't, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is exactly why in IBJJF, there's different skills throughout the belt colors. You know, there's, I don't know what they are anymore, but I know there's a couple things you can't do at a white belt that maybe you can do at a blue belt. Um, 
maybe they've changed some of that, but it's hard to to monitor all of that because you have every gym's different too, right? Yeah. It's like some places are just like go do your thing and like people are just training like savages and you yeah. know, and they just take you know, they take the injuries as they come, you know. Hey, that's just a the that's just a risk of doing this this type of jujitsu. And I don't know what like Tenth Planet does or if they restrict people when they're new on doing things, but you know, you got to learn the correct technique. The point, the point of holding people back is, is just to make sure that they don't do what that white belt did. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just going full blast. You, you know, it's no gi, especially if you're a white belt, you don't want this guy to get one over on you. You maybe you've been training enough, but yeah. Hey, and you, and, and everything just gets intensified. And then you put that move on and you, man, you got to let people tap in that position and training. This isn't, this isn't the world's, you know? Um, you got to give them the chance. That's just, yeah. unfor- that's just unfortunate. I hate when that, I just hate seeing that. Oh, but. it's brutal. And you know, he took it, he's got a good attitude with everything. And, um, you know, I, he, he kind of told me, he's like, you know, I should have, def- I should have defended it. I should have done this. Like, no, not really. You sh- should have, you guys are going 30, 40%. And then when somebody snatches up a heel, and and cranks it it's like you yeah you didn't it's do anything hard wrong. we weren't there you know so you I mean? don't you don't know what happened you know but it's one of those things you either you either defend it quickly and escape or you tap you don't yeah. sit there in the position and let him crank it but who knows the guy could just thrown it on and just ripped it you know that yeah. happens too so we weren't there but all the more reason why you should be cognizant of that and take care of your training partner i mean geez I know our coaches, you know, are very specifically tell people, you know, it's like, take care of your training partner, take care That's of your training like, partner. Right. Every time, every Drill time it. it goes live. Yeah. It's, it's like, take care of your training partners, uh-huh. which I think is a good reminder. Yeah, it is. We need those people <laughs> um, to do this. And that man, getting a knee injury is, it's not, I can speak from experience. It's, it's a mental, you know, it's hard mm-hmm. to come to come back. You know, it's just Dude, ment- mentally, it's just a fucking struggle. You know, it's like, God yeah. damn it. It's because you just can't do anything until it's completely healed. So you're out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're rough. I feel like my, I've gotten really good at uh, evaluating and treating knees and <laughs> you see a lot of them. I see a lot of, I see a lot of knee injuries and you know, all different types of stuff and mechanisms and some things are, some things need this, some things need other, other stuff, but mm-hmm. man, knees, knees take a beating in jujitsu. Yeah. For um, sure. especially, you know, in your wrestling and it's, you're constantly dropping on a knee. It's like beating the very front of your knees. So like that pain is different than, yeah something else and it's they just knees and jujitsu take a they just take a they take a beating they take a beating yeah i i'm always careful of my knees so i've always done two things i i'm and be very i'm very careful on the amount of weight i lift at the gym that puts pressure on my knees because i just know a lot of old weightlifter dudes and their knees are just yeah they're strong as shit but their knees are so fucked up yeah. You know, 
And it's like, well, in jujitsu, I don't want that. It's already a dangerous sport for your knees. You know, it's so I just kind of like try to keep everything strong in that regard, you know, and not overdo it and put too much weight on my knees. But also when I'm grappling, every I've always worn knee pads. So I try to, to, from time to time, I'll post on my social media or I'll tell some of the guys in the gym, I'm like, have you ever tried knee pads? You know, because it's it's like a game changer, dude, in training. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever worn them, but you have to have oh, the yeah. right one. You have to have the right ones. You know, I have these, I get these ones from Amazon. They're like 15 bucks. They, they're, there's no hardness. It's not plastic at all. It's all just foam and they last, you know, six months, whatever, mm-hmm. $30 investment. You get a couple pairs a year. These things have saved me tremendously because when mm-hmm. I'm training Nogi, I can tell the difference. I'm like, uh, you know what I mean? Nogi, yeah, there's no totally. pads. I'm not wearing pads in Nogi, so I'm just hitting my knees on the mats. Well, in the gi, man, these just that little bit of foam saves my ass. And it's not, I've worn them in competition. I've always worn them every time I've ever trained. So they're not like bulky or anything. You know, it's very streamlined and it's just a nice form-fitted pad on your knee and man it helps a lot it helps yeah. so much and especially if you're the type of player like i would say us but at least me if you're an older a master person that plays from your knees a lot you know maybe you're not on your feet or on your toes and doing dynamic passing all the time but you know i like a lot of knee playing from your knees pressure yeah. passing you know um side control type stuff you know you're always on your knees so I recommend that if you don't use them, go find yourself some and tr- start trying to use them and see if, see how it feels. You know, I, I, even if it, for me, it's even if it prevents, you know what I mean? The wear and tear, that's really where I start wearing them, you know? Yeah. So maybe you might not feel a difference, but your knees will feel a difference in five years. You know what I mean? If you start wearing them. So I highly recommend them, man. It's uh, I'm actually kind of shocked how many guys don't wear them. I, I just, I don't know. I've always worn them. So, um, since I was probably a white belt and, um, I always get the same ones and they're just, they're, they're solid, man. So check them out. That's one thing you can do underneath your gi and it'll kind of save some, you know, I wish I had some kind of thing for my elbows. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not pounding my elbows, but just, you know what I mean? So any, any type of, I feel like my elbows and my knees and my shoulders take the most, the brunt of all. That's always what's hurting with mm-hmm. me, those joints, shoulders, elbows, knees. So my knees, though, give me the less amount of problems. They just do. I just try to keep them the safest. You know, I'm not doing a lot of no-gi heel hooking, you know, it's maybe yeah. once a week. So that's probably a big part of it. My elbows seem to have and shoulders seem to get flared up the most in terms of tendonitis. So knee pads, man. Yeah, you know, I tell people, if you know, when I rehab people, when there's a knee injury, I always have people doing hamstring work. Hamstrings, yeah. you can never have hamstrings that are, they will never be strong enough for what yep. your knees need to do. And the reason why it's so important, so there's actually some research out there that when there's a knee injury, one of the, um, uh, it's called a flexor mechanism. The, um, There's some research out there that shows like the hamstrings they get a little bit weaker after a knee injury. Um, so it's just a part of posterior chain, glutes, hamstrings, calves. That stuff always gets worked hard when I'm rehabbing somebody's knee injury. Mm-hmm. And 
So if you're having knee pain, uh, first thing I would always start with is hamstring work. You know, um, you cannot have, and the, you know, those are super important for ACL protection. So the ACL prevents the, the tibia, the bottom bone of the knee, mm-hmm. um, from going forward on the femur. So it protects that forward. It's called translation where it, it pushes forward. So yeah. if you've seen people on like football, when they get the football injuries and you see the guy goes out and he starts jerking forward on the knee. He's testing his ACL to see if it's still intact. And so what the hamstrings do is they attach at your hip. Um, they're, at, they're what's called a two-joint muscle. So they cross two joints. They cross the hip and they cross the knee. So they're actually a pretty cool muscle because they, uh, they, both, they control both hip extension and knee flexion. So they're important. So they're super, super, <laughs> super important. So um, And they're really important based on like protecting your ACL specifically your ACL. Yeah. Because not your ACL, like I was saying, it prevents the knee from the the bottom part of the knee from going forward. Well, your hamstrings are what pulls that back. Also keeping the knee from going forward. So, uh, for the listeners, hopefully that was helpful. If you're having knee pain, man, get those hamstrings super, super, super strong. And, uh, you're, I'm not saying your knee pain is going to go away, but, you can't have hamstrings that are too strong in jiu-jitsu. It'll so just help your, it'll help keep your hips. Them, keep them keep strong. It, keep them strong. Yeah. Keep them strong. So there's a, a, a million ways to do that. Um, but you cannot have hamstrings that are too strong for jiu-jitsu. So, yeah. man, I really recommend that for keeping people's ACLs healthy and keeping them intact and keeping your knees stable and, like, locked locked in. Yeah. So... I mean, there's something to be said about strength training to prevent injury, right? Man, it's, it's the only, I, I have, I have have a strong body. It's so important. It's if you, you, if you go to my Instagram, like I've probably, I probably post it once every two or three months. mm -hmm. And all it says is being strong is the only injury or the only metric of injury prevention. So being strong is the only metric of injury prevention. There's no, no CBD, nothing is going to get you sh- strong enough mm-hmm. to strong enough to to do the things that you need to do on the mat. Yeah. To stay healthy and less likely to to get injured. You have mm-hmm. like a few stabilizing structures. So you have ligaments and tendons, those are stabilizing structures that are right next to the joint, but the the most part of a joint being stable is what's happening with the muscles. Like think about all the meat that crosses joints. Those are all stabilizing structures. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, yeah, you, you screw up maybe a, a rotator cuff or something. Yeah. You have to load that tendon and get it strong, get the tendon itself strong, but you have to get everything else around that joint strong too, because you, you don't, you want to take the load off of, all you don't want one specific thing doing a right. big job yeah. like you know so um you want all of that all of those structures muscles to be strong so there's yeah. no other there's no there's no other injury prevention strength yeah. just being you have to be strong so like you're saying man there's something to be said about strength training and the importance of 
and it doesn't have to be complicated. You yeah. know, it does not have to be complicated. Even so. the even the most basic exercises in strength training, I mean, for people that don't do it, just think about that. Let's say you don't ever do strength training on your legs, you know. You're you're getting training in jujitsu. You you mm-hmm. are strengthening. I mean, you definitely get strength training in jujitsu, you know, Marcelo Garcia, who's very yep. proud that he doesn't ever do a strength training. Now he's he's a specimen and he's also, but he's also on the mat grappling every single day of his life, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and I don't know what his, his injury history is, but just take someone like a regular amateur grappler, you know, that might be starting out in your first two, three years. If you aren't doing any strength training, whether it's your, your elbows, your shoulders, your, your knees, let's take your knees. For example, even if you just incorporate one day a week of doing simple, a leg press, leg extension, leg curl. This yeah. most simple, basic machines that have always existed. Guess why they've always existed? Because they work. They're basic yep. and they build muscle in those very, very, in the simplest way. Yep. You don't have to do some dynamic, crazy workout. You know, I'm a big fan of just traditional strength training, you know, isolation exercises. Yep. That's just what I've always done. And for this purpose. I'm not here to be a Olympic lifter or a dead, you know, deadlift this much right. weight or squat this much weight or go for this record. But I can tell you, like from head to toe, my body's pretty strong. You know what I mean? Yeah, like grappling strong. So that doesn't mean I have to be some huge bodybuilder. You know what I mean? Or have a ton of. I'd probably be as much weights that I lift. I'd probably be bigger if I ate more. Like for me, Mm -hmm. I don't eat enough to become like some, to have huge muscles, you know? I mean, I'm muscular enough, but I don't, that's what it, you know what I mean? So it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you have to like be some huge meathead or something, but I've done it for 30 years. Yeah. 30 years of going in the gym and strengthening leg extension squat, whatever it is. It doesn't (laughs) have to be, but I mean, 30 years. So think about that. If you're younger, whoever you are, put a couple years in, I guarantee it'll change your, your perspective, your game, your mobility, um, your confidence, your injury injury prevention. I mean, that's a big one. And I really attribute a lot of that to my success and being injury free. I mean, I've trained jujitsu for eight and a half years. I have only, I've taken I've had some injuries, don't get me wrong, but I've always trained consistently. I know mm-hmm. people that are my age that train and it's like up and down, up and down. I can't train. I'm off totally. six months. I, I'm always hurt. I'm I'm this. I can't do this. I don't have those issues. You know, I, I can train confidently because I know I'm strong in different areas, you know, and that does affect your grappling. I'm sorry, but For it sure. does. And you're it, able it, to escape positions better, you're able to withstand certain more, attacks more right. when you have strength you that have doesn't mean more. i'm muscling something at all and it means have, i'm stronger in that specific area of my body yep, absolutely and so, you have more time to tap yeah you know what i mean which is mm-hmm. also a, me- a mechanism of injury prevention yeah oh i'm strong at the i'm i'm strong i'm getting kimorid or whatever yeah i'm strong there and all i need is that extra second to that extra split second to tap yeah you know that's it yeah and 
or that extra split second to throw to, a reversal, reverse exactly, the Kimura to escape or, or to grab your gi. You know, yep. if you don't have that strength and the other person out, out strengthen you, he's going to risk your arm. Right it home. Yeah. yeah. So those are the things you don't think about people. I used to really get bothered by it. It's like the whole, you're strong in jujitsu. Every, I'm not in, I'm not, this isn't a brag because I've lost a lot of these competitions, but every time I've competed that my, my partner, my opponent has always said at the end, damn, you're strong. And I used to always just be like, take that as like, you know, you want them to say you're technical, but it is that, you know, it's, they can feel it. And I felt that I've had, I've went with guys that are my weight that feel stronger than me, mm-hmm. believe it or not, you know? So, and these dudes were like me. You can tell they're working out. They yeah. are strong dudes, you know? So it, it's like, I don't take it as, I don't see it as a negative anymore because I just know it's not. You look at, look at Gordon Ryan, look yeah. at the best grapplers. The, and even, I'm not even saying a big guy. Look at some of the smaller best grapplers. They're ripped and they're strong and they're yeah. doing strength training. So that whole thing, that mindset yeah. is like, it's one of those things like you can't attack legs. It's not. Isn't there's no honor in attacking legs, like Patrick was saying about that's bye bye. That's by the yep. wayside. That's in the ancient past in this sport. Okay, so things evolve. What sport they do? What true sport do you know where the athletes don't excel more when they do strength training? Not there's not a one. Not one. So why would it be not any one. different in jujitsu? It I, doesn't mean you should out strength or or muscle everything. You still have to have skill, but if I say if you have skill, technique, and strength, you're you're a step ahead. Yep. You know what I mean? Technique and strength versus just technique. Well, if me and some other uh, some other person, if you can somehow measure the technique and we are exact, guess who's going to get the upper hand most of the time? The person that's stronger or that can yep. withstand more. Yep. You know, I mean, it's simple. So get get some strength training i mean that's we harp on it all the time you know here's the here's like you were going you know knee extension leg press whatever Mm -hmm. split squats rear foot elevated split squats body weight squat body body weight weight squat you don't even need a machine like you don't even need a machine and you know when you're in that stand-up wrestling position what position are you in a split squat yeah you know, a level mm-hmm. change, just do a level change, but pick up a kettlebell underneath you. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Your strength. Now your strength training. Oh, you don't have a kettlebell. Well, even, put your even, back foot on a wall. Yeah. And now you're doing a rear foot elevated split squat. Yeah. You know, like even, even that 20 pound kettlebell, it might not seem like much, but guess what? You're, you just increased your strength after doing a couple weeks of that. And yeah. then you build upon that. Well, here's better than not having it at all. Here's another uh, way that you can people can change, uh, add tempo to things. So I like to program tempo things because it works on uh, local. It works on muscular endurance, Mm -hmm. which we have to have. So if you're like, you know, you're passing somebody, and it's like this incessant, like you have to just be constantly like pressuring, pressuring, pressing. Well. That takes muscle endurance and muscle energy. So add tempo to things. So three seconds to the bottom of the rep, zero pause. Two seconds to the top of the rep, zero pause. 
you should constantly be moving. Yeah. 20 pound kettle. That's not easy. No, want to make a push, not only want to make a push up hard, add tempo to it. Yeah. Do a tempo push up and tell me that's, I have, I've add tempo to things and it changes the entire game. And it's another way to translate, uh, that translates over to the mat. Yeah, exactly. Like that works on different physical attributes of the muscle itself that's going to that's going to translate over to your grappling skills. So there's all kinds of creative ways that you have a 20 pound kettlebell, you can do a lot with a 20 pound kettlebell. Yeah. You know? So um a lot. Anyway. We a just lot. it's like everything else. You gotta you gotta apply yourself and take some time to do it. Um it's not always fun, but you know. This is one of those things where you do it, if you look at it in terms of injury prevention, you, you just do it. You do it as part of a supplemental training because if jujitsu is your true passion, it doesn't mean you have to be some meathead and I'm going to go do strength training. I don't even like this, maybe. Maybe you don't like it at all. But think of it in terms of injury prevention and extending your jujitsu uh, career. You know, I mean, longevity let's say that um there's there's many studies now that just say strength training alone increases longevity of life of life yeah like that alone should be a reason you should be doing something you know incorporate something and you'll benefit in your life but also on the mat and your longevity on the mat and your performance on the mat you know um you you're not going to just turn into some meathead that's going to just muscle everything you know what I mean? Maybe you've been yep. training jujitsu and you're a blue belt and never done strength training. It's not going to make you some all of a sudden turn change your game. You're still you're going to still work on te- jujitsu is all about technique and skill, right? I mean, so that's what we learn. We don't learn to smash people with strength and and do that that guard pull takedown that we saw yeah. last week on social media where the guy <laughs> does. <laughs> does the the carousel with him he just yeah. pulls the guy off the ground does like a helicopter throw which was amazing and effective in that clip but you know that was some strength you know so but it, it shouldn't be a negative anymore you know what i mean it's like now on the flip side there's there's definitely grapplers out there there's and you can see this on even on the high level dudes big giant dudes black belts they're going to have, they're going to, they, they'll still be skilled. Don't get me wrong. They have technique, but they will slant to strength a lot of times, you know, totally. you can see it in their grappling. Um, and I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. I'm, I'm a hundred percent guilty of sometimes like definitely like on sweeps, I felt myself muscle and stuff where I'm like, Oh, I totally just pulled I only got that because I could, I'm way stronger than this person. So I try to like catch those moments and clean up the technique in that, in that mm-hmm. regard, you know? Um, so, but you got to be cognizant of it, but in terms of just feeling great out there, um, yeah, I feel really good. Most of the time I say that when I'm on the podcast, cause I'm not just getting done with training and all sore as hell, you know? So don't get me wrong. I, I, I say this is the best I've ever, I, I do feel great. I do strength training. I trained today in the gym. I did strength training today. I trained jujitsu, you know, but it's, as you're getting older, 
you want your body per, to perform it just makes everything you have to focus on everything so much more yeah i mm-hmm. know you've seen that as you're you've, as you're getting older i'm in my 40s so i definitely see it it's like you have to keep your body strong if i start slacking off it's a lot harder to get back on that train and just start you know making those gains again i'm, I'm telling you everyone sees that you know and yeah i've always said that it's uh, stopping working out is the easiest thing to do. Getting back into it is the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know what? Nobody cares when you stop, you know, it's like, yeah. but when you start having to get back, get back those, I mean, I, even if I take a week off, I I'm feeling weaker. Now I can honestly say that, man, cause I've done it for so long. So it take, then I have to start a little bit, dial it back a little bit, start building that strength up. So you have to look at it in terms of that. Yeah, you know, you can get as strong as hell in the next five years, and if you stop for ten years, bye bye strength. Mm-hmm. In ten years, it'll it'll you know, it it deteriorates, you know. So it's got to be something you can incorporate in your everyday training, and it, you know, most people that train jujitsu plan on doing it. You know, if you're making it past the blue belt into the deeper belts, and you're serious yeah. about the sport, um, you want to do it for a while. Man, I hate seeing when purple belts, you know, if they if they drop out at purple belt, it's like, man, you're right there. I used to train you know? with a brown belt um a lot in the early bird, and he's still a brown belt. He never he, I haven't seen him in years. A couple of them. That's to me, that's crazy. <laughs> Cause you get to brown belt. But you know, life sometimes gets it in the way and um, you know, it doesn't take long to not I'm sure I haven't experiences but i'm sure it doesn't take long once you you take a few weeks off turns into a month turns into two and it's like yeah i'm a brown belt but i'm i also i think sometimes maybe i i know this is probably the case but if you can distance yourself from your experience in jujitsu for a couple months you're probably like geez that's hard Mm -hmm. you know or man that it's it could be a lot harder to get back into yeah and it's totally it's, true. it's just like strength training. Exactly. I, mean, I was just going to say that. It's the exact yeah. same thing. It's like, you know, it's like a men- you're going to have to dial it in mentally, get over those hurdles. And not to mention you're getting the crap beat out of you or people are trying to beat the shit out of you in jujitsu yeah. all the time, you know, um, or at least, you know, you, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. You might roll f- with five different people and like three of those people are training for tournaments. They're in, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they might be 10, 20 years younger than you in my experience, you know, so you got to be tough, you know, to, so I can see how people fall out of it, but I also struggle because I think if you're purple belt, brown belt, you have a passion and it's just unfortunate if you don't continue that through, not only just cause you're not getting your black belt, but just as a passion. Yeah. Just as a passion that you want to do forever, you know? You're losing out on that. And that's to me is would be my biggest miss if I did that mm-hmm. right now. I'm like, obviously the goal is to get a black belt and but continue to keep training. But I just exactly. I just want this hobby in my life. So that's where I see people. I'm like, man, you've been doing this for seven, eight, ten years. Your purple belt, brown belt, and it's like, and now it doesn't interest you anymore. That's a little weird to me, but um maybe they find some some other passion to do, you know? And that's totally fine too. And everyone's experience is different you know Mm -hmm. you can get a purple belt that's been very committed and training all the time and they just kind of maybe get burned out 
Maybe their experience isn't like, you know, maybe they don't have yeah. the, the friendships or maybe they moved, you know, in one of my guys cases, he actually moved away from our gym. Mm. And so he's a, still a brown belt, but he lives, he, he never really kind of found another home to train jujitsu. So a lot of different experiences out there, but went from no gi, gi training to strength training to not training, not training. <laughs> Man, you gotta just. Uh, I think it all it all goes well together, though, because if you're, you know, you 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 have to understand if you're training in the gi, you're probably very familiar with it. You you start picking up no gi, you're doing something, or vice versa. Yeah, you know, um, you have to realize this is a long game. Both of those, you know, and that's how I look at it. It's like. I, I didn't want to just keep training in the gi, even though, yeah, I could just excel, excel, excel in the gi. But I'm like, I kind of want to, I definitely want to just be well-rounded because who's mm-hmm. to say where you're going to be in 10 years. As I get yep. older and wiser, that's how I look at things. I'm like 10 years down the road, I might have a different experience. Maybe, maybe I move somewhere and I'm training at a different, maybe the only gym available is a no gi gym. Do I want to be a black belt that's never done no gi, like doesn't know the yeah. no gi game? To me, that doesn't make sense. Like, so it just, it's, but that's me. I, I want to be skilled. If, if I have an, an, I meet somebody through this podcast or somebody, and let's say they're a no geek grab, let's say, let's say we do an on location, the road to black podcast somewhere in the future, or we have a studio where both of us are together in the same state and we have someone and we have mats in the studio. Okay. You know where we're listeners, you know where our podcast is going someday studio. Both of us in the same room, live guests, mats. If we have a no, if we have Gordon Ryan on our show, we have to be able to grapple with him there. For sure. I don't want to be a black belt and go, oh, I can't, I don't know how to defend, like, you know, no. Yeah. That's just my experience though. I just want to have, I want to know all the skills. I want to yeah. know all the skills. Now I understand that I can't be an expert. I, it's going to take a long time to be an expert in both, let's say, and that could take my entire life and I'll probably still be learning. But as long as I'm having fun with it and training smart, that's, you know, and it, that's all you can do. You know, it's just different skill set. It's just different. So um, not to say that I don't have a ton of work in the gi left, you know what I mean? But that's the beauty of it. So it changes for me. It changes it up once a week. I really enjoy it that way. Um, it really does challenge my mind after being years and years and years in the key. Now it's like, it really does, man. It's like open my eyes to a whole nother game. So I'm trying to study that on the side. I'd like to get some, you know, I, being in, in my forties, I'll say this, I would love to train more jujitsu, but we could have another podcast on talking just about how to not train jujitsu yeah. to prevent injury. Cause I would love to go every day, but I literally have to not, I, and I train with guys, young guys, I train with guys in their twenties and their thirties that train every day. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. I just can't. I know I, I can't do all jujitsu cause I still want to do some strength training. So it's a very fine balance, you know, of how much, and it's always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing gi jujitsu. I'm doing strength training, trying to get some no gi in there. What's the balance you know, if I move more to, let's go two or three days of no gi jujitsu. Well, guess what's going to suffer? My gi game. I won't be able to train as much gi. Yeah. So 
that's depending on your age and your circumstance and your and your health and your physicality those are things you have to like consider totally and, and just understand that it's a long haul right i mean i would love to just have all the be be a a 20 year old with just full of piss and vinegar where i can train two times a week like some of my friends two times a day i should say like some people i know i can't do it mm-hmm. it's just that's the thing the unfortunate thing is when you're getting older your body's just not going to respond that way, you know? So no matter what sport you're in, that's why the pro, you know, most pro sports, you're not seeing 47 year olds. Yep. Playing in the NBA. (laughs) That's right. So, uh, you know, they're kind of legends by that time, but in this sport, you can train, you can compete as an amateur at that age, which is beautiful, but you have to take care of your body. You have to keep it strong. Um, look, go look at the masters, um, most masters divisions. And I, I very cognizant of this when I was at master worlds, look at the athletes and some of the older, and I'm saying master five, six, some of the real older ones, they're physically yeah. fit, physically sure. fit. Yeah. You don't see anybody that's not healthy because they're probably yeah. not trained at that age. You know, when you're getting into your fifties, sixties, some of these people are training They're they're you'll you won't be able to train as much if, if you don't take care of your body. So, mm-hmm. and that's injury prevention on the mats, not getting heel hooked by a white belt, strength training, all yep. of the above. So are we going to see you at master's world this year? I'm, I just got my uh, B, IBJJF registration set up. So I'm looking to do it, but I just have to f- figure it out. I'm traveling a lot in the fall. Gotcha. And I'm I'm traveling to Maui like two weeks before Master World. So Oh yeah. That's rough. That's a tough one. So I'd have to make some real I, I don't know if I want to go to Maui and not go to Maui and drink mm-hmm. some cocktails and eat what I yeah. want, you know. So I think it's three weeks. So I'll just have to plan it out. Um I do want to though, but I also probably need to compete before then, you know. I haven't competed in, I've only competed like one time in the last three years with COVID and everything. So, um, but I have some friends that are inspiring me to get back on the mats and, uh, you know, it's, it's a great challenge. I, I use competitions as a challenge. So, but it is, I'm so, I, this is not an excuse. I am a super busy person. My days are booked from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed is, you know, you know this yep. very well about yep. Both, yep. about me. Both of us. Both yep. of us. So um, I have a lot of projects going on. I The biggest thing for me with competition, 100%, is how do I fit competing into my mental and physical abilities for that preparation? That's, that's it. Like, I, I know I train a lot. I'm skilled enough to compete. For me, it's like the me- as soon as I sign up, the mental focus, everything changes. And that's just my personality. I'm not the type that I can block it out until the day of the event. I don't think there's many people that do, but I don't, that's a mental stressor for me. I'm running a couple businesses, you know, to have that on me. It's it's something, it's not to say I won't do it, but it's something I have to consider. For sure. Can I, you know, can I take that extra mental load on and physical load? Because I have to train more. Mm -hmm. I'm not in competition shape. You know, I'm very, I'm rolling a lot and training, but 
you know, I've just the last two weeks, I've just been rolling the last two weeks. So I literally had a couple months where I wasn't really rolling. So yeah, I don't want to, I always say you got to kind of, especially the bigger events like master worlds, you have to be prepared, you know, and you have to give it the credit that it deserves and the respect because the people that you're training against or competing against are going to be coming for you and training hard. So that's the thing for me. Am I going to be able to ramp it up or come up with some kind of season? Like you say, you know, plan it to where I can get a competition or, or at least just great training leading up to it. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going literally the month before I'm going on like two vacations. So it's tough, man, with all these tournaments and, and having, trying to do with your family life. And this, this yeah. trip is obviously very important to me. So um, it's where I can get my whole family together for a week. So I don't know. I, We'll see if I compromise. To be determined. Yeah, to be determined. I would love to compete. I, I'm really thinking I want to do it. I definitely do. But I'm like, because we had this trip planned and then they announced that it was in November. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's just a timing thing, you know, because normally yeah. Master Worlds is always in August. Yeah. So that's what I was used to. Um, so we'll see. How about you? I I've got some IBJJF issues right now, so uh, I yeah I, guess I I'm, ho- I'm hoping I'm hoping that is uh, I'm hoping that that is figured out and resolved by then. Got a few months, but I'm, so I I wanted to do this Kansas City, but I don't think it's going to be resolved by the time the Kansas City um, competition is registrations closed. So yeah, we'll see. I got I, I I'm. Hoping to get that squared away as soon as possible. So nice. We'll see, man. It's there's a lot of competitions coming back. So uh, yeah, I want to I want to get back out there and challenge myself. I, I mean, see what I need to work on. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they're that's what they always show me. <laughs> the competitions, yeah. like one way or another, you see what you need to work on, see what works yeah. out there. So um, anyway. We will also let's. We're working on getting a couple more guests lined up for the show. I think I have three people in mind that we've talked about. Um, next week, guys, we're probably going to take a break. I'll be out of town, so follow it up in a couple weeks. We'll uh, see everybody back. Have a safe week of training, and we're out of here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Road to Black podcast. Once again, please support our sponsors, the BJJ Physio. Contact Wes, he'll hook you up with some customized programming for your game. Take it to the next level. Therapy, performance, the BJJ Physio. Also, Roll Union Jiu-Jitsu. Check out the latest styles, Jiu-Jitsu, casual wear, training gear, Check them out, rollunion.com. Follow on Instagram, at rollunion. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time.